0: It's time for Making It Personal, a Personalized SC Podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back, everyone. It's your host, Carrie Fersner from the Office of Personalized Learning. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking to some educators from Saluda Trail Middle School in Rock Hill, South Carolina. We're gonna hear from some school leadership as well as teachers on how they got started with their personalized learning journey. If we could, everyone go around the room and introduce yourselves and tell us um, who you are and what your role or position is here at the school.
1: Hi, I am Elissa Cox, and I am the principal of Saluda Trail Middle School.
2: I am Robin Madden and I
3: currently teach seventh grade math at Saluda Trail. Hi, I'm Becky Funderberg. I'm the instructional coach.
4: I'm John Rhodes and I teach photography and digital design. Hello, I'm David Consalvi, and I'm the STEAM coordinator for
5: Saluda Trail and South Point High School. All
0: right, so I'm going to throw this question out there. Um, anybody can catch it. The first question that I want to ask is where did personalized learning at Saluda Trail start? So it started about four years
3: ago. Um, myself as the instructional coach and Mrs. Cox, the principal, um, went to a conference um, hosted by Transform SC um, and the keynote speaker was Katlyn Tucker who spoke about blended learning practices. Um, this was a couple of months into um, Ms. Cox and I both being new to our physicians and getting a feel for the needs of our um, of the school Um, and the blended learning strategies that mrs tucker spoke to um, were really kind of an answer to a lot of our struggles with being one-to-one being a pbl steam magnet school having a diverse population and also knowing that we had to start doing things differently to meet the needs of students Um, many teachers complaining about the lack of motivation that our students were starting to display, um, as you all know that our students are different, much different than they were even five years ago. So we knew we had to start making some changes and that framework really spoke to us as being practical and an easy way for anyone to enter
0: at whatever level they feel comfortable with. So pretty much you started with being exposed to it at the conference and then you caught a hold to the book, Blended Learning. So how did the onboarding process begin with teachers, faculty, staff? How did that kind of transition at the beginning? So there's not really a prescription, I guess,
3: that we used. Mm -hmm. Um, It was kind of like a melting pot of ideas and also keeping Mm -hmm. a pulse on our faculty the entire time and our students. Mm -hmm. Um, We are a part of the um, personalized learning um, cohorts that the state offers. We were part of that from the beginning. Um, on two different cohorts, one with Knowledge Works and one with Redesign. Um, so we've kind of like cultivated our own method, I guess, for um, meeting the teachers where they are. Um, as a leadership team, we've transformed the way that we meet the needs of our teachers. Um, just how we're asking our teachers to meet the needs of the students. So I don't know
1: that we we carefully or strategically designed it it all just kind of happened in the educator world. At the same time we were exploring um, blended learning Mm -hmm. strategies, I was asked to serve on a committee that was examining the South Carolina profile of the graduate and how do we assess all the soft skills, which started the conversation about competency work with redesign and knowledge works. And so there was things going on simultaneously in our building that we were utilizing or trying to incorporate to meet the needs of our school. at this again at the same time the State Department was exploring how do we do this work better and assess the profile of the graduates so for me as a leader I was like oh my golly it's like we have all stumbled upon this at the same time and we're trying to work through it so it gave me some language to come back to my leadership team and to begin to connect the dots of Mm -hmm. we have stumbled upon blended learning and all of a sudden here we are now talking about competencies and you know, now venturing into personalized learning as the State Department has capped it and it's almost one in the same. This seems to be more of a vehicle to do the work. Mm-hmm. We need to really start to trudge forward in this. Um, at, we also had teachers that were kind of trailblazing and were finding value in it and they were providing testimonies. So we were getting that feedback to know this is worth taking a step
2: mm-hmm. um, for our teachers and for our students, you know, to, mm-hmm. to better prepare them. And, and I was just gonna add, into that that kind of to tag off of what you said about the teachers that were trailblazing from the perspective of the boots on the ground teachers there were those of us who were looking for something else right um and a more sort of i guess progressive way to teach and you guys realized that we needed that it it just really did all come together right at the same time But you asked for volunteers here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You asked for volunteers to kind of step into this. And so then you were able to identify your pockets of um, support and your pockets of people who were willing to take the risk, which is, I think, has been very instrumental in our onboarding process here Mm -hmm. at our school. Um, Because it was, they never came in and said, we are doing this. Mm. You, I mean, now you kind of do that, but
4: you can Mm. hire people who you know are going to do, you know, going to want to operate that way. It never felt like a mandate. It felt, we we, a lot of us were asked, hey, we read this book. What, you're doing some of this. Do you think this would be beneficial to the other teachers in the building? Do you think this is in language they would understand, activities they would be interested in, let us know. And we sort of formed the book study and and then it became a, like a school wide thing. I thought I thought having a few advocates and then a few more and then a few more was was a really super effective Was a good way to do it. Think, Go ahead. I was gonna say I think by allowing
5: it to sort of develop that way teachers were able to find how it worked for them, how it fit mm-hmm. their teaching styles, their classroom and their students, rather than here's a prescribed mm-hmm. you know, event, that if it doesn't work, well that's because the event's broken. This was something that allowed teachers to find a natural fit and build mm-hmm. from there, which is allowing it really to evolve into a successful product mm-hmm. and program rather than just a prescribed event.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it's about the culture you build in your building, too. I think again, it just was a perfect storm per se mm-hmm. that you had new leadership coming in that really was sincere. Um, we had David was David was here prior to, um, so he saw that transition. but I think we all were very sincere about assessing what the needs were in the building. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, it also started with awareness of data and our Mm -hmm. achievement data, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that made us start to really dig deep about what's occurring, what's happening, what's going on in classes, talk to us, and build in a community of being approachable and then being open-minded. Everything Mm -hmm. we attended, just trying to think, what's the answer, what's, Mm -hmm. you know, what are some answers, what are some solutions to this? And being at the right place in the right time, you know, hearing the value and the testimony of that conference and Catelyn Tucker speaking there really really was I mean that was pivotal mm-hmm. and Knowing strategically mm-hmm. as leaders that you it's got to come from mm-hmm. it's got to come from within mm-hmm. So if you have a mindset of teachers that are willing to explore it and then you let them lead the way um, and I think in any good leadership any team you let that grow on its own and then those folks become the majority And then the rest kind of start to peel out and become the minority, and it becomes contagious because now you have students coming from Miss Madden's class going to another class saying, "Hey, can we do the station thing?" or "Where's my work plate?" And so it starts to become contagious, Mm -hmm. and then people start to ask, "Hey, how do
0: you know about that?" Mm -hmm. You know, and then they want to learn more. That's awesome. So um, another thing that I wondered was, um, in order to make this revolutionary change in your school, you obviously have to have culture involved Mm -hmm. Um, and so i've heard a lot of conversation about how culture is so important within a school and i think i heard one of you all talk today about the notion of being able or having giving teachers permission to fail forward Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. could y'all explain what failing forward actually means
4: i might be a little biased (laughs) because this is my only school that i've worked at um, and I, I started at that four-year mark where um, they were both new in their positions. and But but I, I read this article right before I started teaching. And it was like, um, you can't progress if you're complacent. Like, complacency doesn't solve anything. So I was like, I want to continue to improve always. And how am I going to do this? And I have really big ideas. And I've never been told... <laughs> No, I've always been told, that's a big idea. Well, you know, what's the worst? Like, I could try it, you know, whatever. And I've always felt encouraged to make mistakes. And I like for my students to feel that way too. I don't, want, I don't want them to think that I'm a flawless person because it's not real life modeling. So so I like to learn with my students. And I feel like, I feel like our administration has made it possible that we can all... We can all fell forward together. We can all feel comfortable doing it. It's, not, it's a learning process, not a, a moment of like, I don't know. There's no negative critique. It's just, well, we learn to uh-huh. do that differently next time. I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's encouraging.
2: Well, and, and I'm similar to John. I have great big ideas. I have a real hard time with the minute details. So I try to get people who will help me see those minute details, which is why Becky Mm -hmm. is my very good friend, Mm -hmm. Um, but um, I'm also not afraid to come in to my classroom on a day and have it completely fall apart. I mean, that's just not who I am as a teacher, so I'm not fearful of that. I know that there are teachers who are fearful of that, and maybe at some points... Um, these people have wanted to say, Can you please be a little afraid of something falling apart? But they've never actually said it to me. Um, and so, like, the first time I ever did a station rotation, which was a big deal, it was a whole, like, all my classes that day. I came in and I was like, Becky, I'm doing the station rotation and I'm really nervous about it. She said, Oh, do you want me to come in? I was like, No, do not come into my <laughs> room today. But um, it's just, yeah, so the reflection piece Um, is what is huge. And hearing from our leadership, whatever you do, take time to reflect on it Mm -hmm. and see how you can modify, improve, um, you know, continue to change your practice to make it better Mm -hmm. um, is is real important. Um, So failing forward it's kind of like, I don't know, Henry Ford or somebody said, mm-hmm. I didn't just learn one way to, d- oh no, that was the light bulb guy, but I didn't just learn <laughs> one way to make a light bulb, I learned a million ways not to, you know, mm-hmm. wow. and that's kind of the, um, the
3: atmosphere, the attitude that we have around here. Yeah. I think also what's important is we really tried to hone in on the why, like why do we need to change? Mm -hmm. Um, and then when we look historically at you know performance and data from here there everywhere it is all pointing to this traditional way of thinking and doing is not producing really good thinkers in the social Mm -hmm. workforce Um, so really making sure our teachers know the why for the change um, so then they're more encouraged to take the risk Mm -hmm. because they know they need to and there's power behind that
4: Mm -hmm. I read an article that said that the biggest um, Destroyer of a work environment is we've always done it this way. Mm-hmm. right
0: mm-hmm. So there's no
4: there's no growth, mm-hmm. but I feel like here we're, we're encouraged to grow.
0: Wow That's awesome. And to piggyback on something else that was stated um, just now um, about the the notion that sometimes people get overwhelmed when they hear personalized learning, but really if you think about it a lot of teachers have done mm-hmm things that align with the framework of personalized learning. They just haven't named it that. Mm -hmm. So really quick, um, could you all share for a teacher who may be listening and may say, well, I don't know whether or not I'm personalizing learning. Could you name some quick strategies um, that may fall underneath the category of personalizing learning? Mm -hmm.
2: One thing that stands out to me, and I think every core teacher does this and probably most fine arts teachers as well or specials whatever you want to call them but you have small groups you pull small groups and work with students in small groups and if I'm working with students a group of six I can get down to what they really need much easier than I can if I'm standing in front of a room of 30 kids Mm -hmm. Um, and That has been practiced for as long as I've been teaching Mm -hmm. math. Um,
0: So wait, you can do small groups in middle school? Mm -hmm. I thought that was an elementary thing. (laughs) No, it's
2: like, that's foundational I think. And the kids, they will ask. I I had them fill out a reflection form today Mm -hmm. and yesterday after our um, stations. And one of my questions was, what can my teacher do to help me Mm -hmm. the next time we do stations? And almost every student said pull me in a small group and work with me individually
1: yeah they crave that mm-hmm. another example is I know you know just years ago even when I was teaching having the one-on-one grading conversations with a student mm-hmm. you know like I used to every Friday pull them up one-on-one and look at their grades you know and the teacher the grade book or in power school and let's talk about them and what's going on and that was you know you don't realize it like you said those are practices that you've always been doing but now we term that as student teacher conferencing and you know what it looks like when when you're conferencing conferencing. the (laughs) substance of it is different Mm -hmm. but the concept was there you know the skill set to do that and the philosophy and belief in Mm -hmm. the impact you would have with a kid to have that kind of conversation was there
5: Mm -hmm. i think i'll really tie down to that student relationship you know building that relationship And so, you know, I can have that small meeting, I can have that small group, I can pick my groups, I can have that one-on-one conferencing. If I know the relationship and build that relationship with my student, I can have better success in that. And I can design stations or playlists or whatever you want to call it, but I can design my lessons based around those students. So one thing that's really been important for, you know, our teachers and our students here is that relationship part. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, if you can, Build that up, the rest becomes easier. Right.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, thanks, guys. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. It is now time for our special segment that we like to call Making It or Breaking It. So, for those who are just joining in today, um, I'm going to have our guests share either a make, which would consist of a highlight, something that they've seen that's really cool um, or really engaging in the work of personalized learning, or they can choose to share a break, which would be somewhat of a struggle, a barrier, or a concern that they've encountered on their personalized learning journey. So, in no particular order, who wants to share their make or break? I'll share a make. Okay.
4: I um, Started last year, how can I deliver content that's meeting all of these accommodations, but also personalized so kids receive it how they feel comfortable and um, it is still a work in progress, but I created a classroom website from scratch and so it has every subject that I teach and under every subject it has a resources tab. So any handouts I would get or or give out, rubrics I would give out, all that stuff is under the resources tab. There's student examples, so these are A's from the past. This is what they look like, and I switch those out pretty regularly um, so that students get to see their work published. And then there's an assignments tab in every assignment. Every assignment I teach is listed there with a student example, a teacher example, written instructions, video tutorials. A big make for me was being able to
2: implement differentiated station rotation for my students and it's where they can choose what station they want to work in they can choose how long they want to stay there they can um, move to another station and there's no particular order they just end up knowing that they need this particular skill and to be able to um, develop station rotations and provide enough instruction for them ahead of time that then I could give them that much freedom and see the success with students who were in an inclusion class mm-hmm. um, definitely it works with you know you're advanced in GT but where as a teacher you kind of start to sweat a little bit is those kids who have some kind of learning struggle or um, a behavior struggle or whatever and it was super successful with even the kids in those classes Mm -hmm. so um, the goal for me this year is to continue working with stations to get them to that point where they can do that pre-assessment they know where they need to start they can figure out how long they want to stay there they can figure out when they're ready to move all that kind of stuff. It's it's very freeing for me as a teacher, and allows me to do a lot more of that stuff that we talked about earlier. Whereas I'm not necessarily working even with a small group, but that provides me the opportunity to one-on-one conference with people um, about the skills that they're learning right now, or you know, a, an assessment that's coming up, or whatever. Um, if they want a conference about what how come Mondays are bad for them, then I kind of let that conference weave its own direction um, for where the kids need to go with that.
0: Okay. Thank you for sharing.
4: <laughs> I had a break. What Madden was just talking about with, with the station rotations, when I, uh, when I first introduced it, Okay. I was introducing it to a class that I had already um, established other expectations with and so I it was just a lot of me just falling on my face because they were like no that's that's not what we do and um and so going into it this year and establishing that those expectations and building that culture from day one the stations are going so much more smoothly
5: Um, well I guess my I mean my make is sort of general but I mean, my why for education is the students. Getting students together for the panel today to meet with the, for the Inquiry Lab. We were just asking students if they wanted to be involved. We had these students come together and just listening to them talk their why. They wanted to be in this panel because they want to change education. You know, they wanted to fix education. They go, oh, we get a voice and, and it was just awesome. Mm-hmm. So it says right there why personalized learning is working they see there's a need for things to be fixed our students are getting a lot out of what's happening in our classrooms they're building this confidence they're building these skills and having that ability just to talk to them and hear that I I couldn't you know I ran to the front to talk to you know Miss Cox and Miss Bunderburg because it was like this is so awesome you know we're taking all of them I can't get you know but I mean to me that ability for them to articulate and just tell their story and be able to say what they need Mm -hmm. is huge for students especially at the middle school age Mm -hmm. and so for them to be at a place where that is that just speaks to the power of personalized learning i mean those are the skills that they really need when they leave the education setting as much as they need the content the content is important but it's those skills to be able to use that content our kids are really building that out from the steps our teachers are taking with the, all of them every day
0: nice mm-hmm. and on that note how can our listeners get in contact with any of you all do you- well we are very um, very much on social media so you can seek
1: us out at STMS Wildcats and we do have a large Twitter following and we tweet lots of times a day um, so, just by doing that, you will probably see retweets of Robin Madden and John Rhodes and Consolvi and Ms. Funderburk and um, all the fabulous teachers that we have in the building and the work that they are doing, but we also have a, a school website. Um, it's on our Rock Hill School District website, so if you go to Rock Hill Schools, um, you can tag, tab down and find Saluda Trail and that will give you access to our school website
0: where you can see all of our email addresses and contact us there. All right. Well, thank you so much, Saluda Trail. We'll be back in a second to close things out. Before we close out today's episode, I want to leave you with a quote to think about. This quote comes from Emily Lillian, and she says, to always be a work in progress. Remember, Personalizing learning is a journey and it doesn't matter where you start as long as you start and continue to move forward. We hope you let that quote drive your work for weeks to come. Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode of Making It Personal. Be sure to connect with the Office of Personalized Learning on social media. Tweet us at personalizedsc. And follow us on Instagram at scpersonalized. Please also send in any questions you have regarding personalized learning for our Q&A segment on future episodes. We'll catch you next time on Making It Personal. See ya!